0: Are you likable? Is your business likable? Today's consumers demand a heck of a lot more, and as leaders, you have to deliver a lot more. That's what we're going to cover on today's Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is your host, John Chance, and my guest today is Dave Kirpin. He is the CEO of Likeable Media. He is the author of Likeable Social Media, a bestseller. Uh, was out a couple years ago, I guess. He's probably going to correct me on that one. Um, And we're going to talk specifically today about likeable business, why today's consumers demand more, and how leaders can deliver. So welcome back, Dave
1: thanks John. thanks for having me and uh it's great to be back and and yeah was a year and a half ago actually that that uh, that my first book was out um so only because you asked me to correct you do i uh, will i will i uh, uh, will I mention that, oh, that but is... it's great to be back and, and always always good to, to talk uh, all all things uh, likable
0: yeah so so let's talk about that name really i mean um what is this like a you know, couldn't you, couldn't you think of a grown-up name for your business or something? I mean, just, I don't know. No, no truly, uh, um, you have, obviously, the, the, the name is meant to be a bit of a metaphor for what you do, but how, how has the name served you in terms of kind of trying to carve out, you know, what that name means and, and what what the promise of it is?
1: You know, it's a great, it's a great question, and, 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 you know, it's better to be lucky than good. Uh, or smart. Um, you know, we, we started off our company, we were called the K-Buzz for our first couple of years and then uh, we were having drinks. Uh, a couple of early staff members and my wife is my business partner and, and I were having drinks and uh, one of my uh, managers said, Jenna actually, she said, you know, what, about, what about calling ourselves likeable? You know, Facebook is about to, about to launch this little like button and I think, I think uh, it's going to be big. And so we loved it immediately. And I, I called up some friends at Facebook, and I said, you know, what's the deal with this like button? And they said, well, we think it's going to be big, but uh, but you know us. We changed things so quickly around here that uh, who knows, you know, we, we might rename the like button uh, something else in uh, another six months. So we went with likeable, and, of course, uh, the rest is history. We're very, very fortunate. And the thing is, that what I love so much about likeable is that you know there's the there's the literal meaning of course uh, with social media generating likes, um, but that that's just one very small subset of the more uh, the bigger meaning of likable, which is really just being a person or an organization that is worth talking about in a positive way, doing things that that make you worth you know be worth worth that that thumbs up icon not just not just for content but for everything that you do and uh some people have said to me why not lovable but the thing is you know you don't need to love everything you don't need to love people you do business with you don't need to love um you know every single uh product or company that you you interact with but you know what you should like it all you should you should you should like the companies that you that you do business with so likable serves very well
0: well and i think it conjures up the, the idea of personality traits. You know, we all can think of personality traits that we like and don't like about people. And, and I think the, I think there's a heck of a lot of crossover uh, when we start talking about brands in that uh, context.
1: There, there really is. And, 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 and I think social media has, has, has made, that, made that conversation you know, all the more understandable, right? Because now you've got all these brands who are being represented online as Twitter handles or Facebook accounts or Instagram accounts. And, you know, at the other end, it's always a human being, and that human being is representing the brand, whether it's a small business or a Fortune 500 company, you know, interaction after interaction, that person is representing the, the business. And by the way, that, 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 that's not just social media. That's every phone call that you have. That's every, um, every in-store interaction with a clerk that you have. The reality is that... Every single person that works for a company of any size is a representation of that company and that brand in every interaction that you have. So why, why wouldn't you want to optimize every interaction for likability?
0: Yeah. So l- let me ask you about the, uh, the subtitle or part of the subtitle of the book. Uh, you, you claim that, uh, that, that one of the reasons people need to read this book is because today's consumers demand more. Tell me a little bit about uh, what, what more is.
1: Well, this this is the best time ever to be a consumer in the history of, 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 of humankind, right? If you're a consumer, whether you're um, whether you're a uh, CEO of a company or a teacher, a school teacher in a uh, rural America, or a um, you know a tribesman in Africa, you, if you have a mobile phone, you have more of voice than you've ever had in the past you have the ability to share things with the world you have the ability to hold businesses and leaders accountable in a way that's never been that's never happened before and so you know it, it's funny a, a lot of this came from uh, my first book and, and the reaction to it my copy editor uh, from from my first book likeable social media said to me, you know, I, I really like the book, but the thing is, I'm not really in marketing or business or anything. But you know, after I read your book, I had a problem with the dishwasher, and you know, I, I had gone back and forth with with with, uh, with Best Buy where I bought it. You know, and and what I did was I just posted on their uh, on their Facebook page, and I got a response right away, and it was amazing, and it just got me thinking that you know. Business people and leaders of, of, of all organizations just don't have much of a choice about accountability anymore. They, they, consumers expect if they post things, if they, if they ask things, that businesses are going to be responsive. And, and, and if they're not, they're going, to hold, they're going to figure out a way to hold them accountable one way or the other.
0: Yeah, and I think that, and we'll go into actually some of the the, the points that you break each chapter into, but uh, but certainly uh, listening comes into that one, of, of course. But look, before I get into those, uh, there's a comment that, uh, that that I've heard you make before, uh, and I know you make this point throughout the book that that the the social likable business will succeed over its competitors. So I think. Uh, you know, for that leader out there that's thinking, "Oh, this social stuff is nice." You know, give it to the marketing people, let them see what they can do to get some more impressions with it. Uh, but, but you're, you're, I mean, you're, you're certainly making the case that this is a strategic, competitive advantage.
1: It is, it is, and it can't be relegated to to the marketing folks because you know the the the, the likable way, the social way, it, it has to it has to permeate a, an organization from the top. The, 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 the CEO the leader of an organization really needs to buy into this in order to, to truly make the difference. And and, and these these sorts of principles they they simply can't be relegated to the marketing department or the PR department because they're they're you know they go towards building a, a culture at your company, at your organization that has to it it just has to come from the top. It has to come from the executive level. And um, it's funny, while I wrote this book, you know, I, I had much I had much less experience in, in running businesses than in running social media, right? So for the first book I had I was very blessed to have worked with over two hundred companies on their social media strategy and presence. You know, for for this, I've only I've only built I've only built one company. So, you know, for for me a lot of this was was stepping out of my comfort zone, but you know, I interviewed a lot of CEOs to find other stories from people that were successfully leading companies, large, medium, and small, using these principles, and, that, and so that, that's really how I was able to add some credibility to these things. And then, I am very, I am proud of the fact that while this book was uh, set to print, uh, Likeable just got named one of the 50 best places to work in New York by, uh, by Crane. So it added some credibility, actually, to some of the work that we're doing here in terms of building an organization that isn't just about marketing in a in a, in a likable way but but really about building the actual organization in a, in a way where people are social and people are likable with one another
0: that's awesome so you you i'm glad you mentioned the c word culture because i plan to bring that up uh, to today and i think that that's uh, you know a lot of people i think will will read a book uh, quite frankly your first book even and, and decide we're going to be a social company now or we're going to be a likable company now And I think there's – you know, while the tactics are extremely important, um, I I really do think that there has – it probably does have to start with the clarity of of who we are, how we want to be seen. I mean, some of the things that – that I don't see enough companies really understanding, you know, what is our purpose, <laughs> what is our mission, and not just the, the, the exercises that you see people write about and, and talk about all the time, but 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 truly understanding, you know, where they stand as a company and where they stand as a culture because I think it's very difficult to make some of the changes you're talking about in an authentic way without them just being a manifestation of who you are.
1: It, it, it really it really is. And, you know, the, the good news is that small Organizations have an advantage here. The smaller the organization you are, the easier it is to to, to make that change and, and and to cross over. But you know, one of my favorite stories. The the, the book is really just full of stories. Um, one of, one of my favorite stories from the book is uh, on the the, the the team playing chapter and the chapter on culture. And it's it's a company. It's about a company called Devita, um, which you know, back in 1999, when when their new CEO took over, they were on the verge of bankruptcy. And this guy by the name of Kent, uh, Theory comes in, He's better known as KT to the rest of the company. KT comes in as the new CEO, and he, 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 he did a turnaround beginning exclusively with comp- company culture first. Um, and he, he focused not at all on the bottom line at the beginning, but instead on building this company culture. He told the entire, uh, the staff, by the way, this is a, you know, we're talking about a, a Billion-dollar company. I mean, today they're, they're a Fortune 500 company. They did seven billion dollars last year. Back in 1999, they were financially struggling, but we're still talking about a huge company. And he took um, the 800 employees at the time, um, called them a community first, called them teammates and citizens, and 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 really built, rebuilt that company um, around culture. And of course, the, the the money followed, and 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 the results, the financial results followed. But but, you know, it, it was truly about building a culture first.
0: You know, one of the things I have observed is, and, and again, going back to my kind of human traits, um, the people that we naturally sort of equate with as being likable tend to be more naturally social. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw that out there. You feel free to agree or disagree. And I, th- and I find that to be true about companies that are really succeeding today. Uh, they're just more naturally social. It's not necessarily that somebody at the top made a decision we're going to let everybody have a Facebook account and talk about what they're doing at work, but but the, the, it just it, it's a part of their DNA even before we had any of these tools. And I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, you know I, I agree with you. I think that um, the beautiful the beautiful thing is that you know there's nothing in my first book or this book to be honest that is very complex. It's all fairly freaking simple. Um, you know so, some would argue that. Um, you know, so simple that you you don't need to to write about it. But but the thing is, people people don't do it. Something happens where, okay, we know we need to be honest. We know we need to be transparent. We know we need to be authentic. But something happens between, like, when we learn about these important values from our parents and teachers and when we start running businesses where I think so many people lose sight of this stuff. So many people become focused on, and admittedly for good reason. Okay, if you've been hit by the economy, and you know if you're thinking, okay, um, you know if you're thinking about how I put food on the table uh, next month, you, you're probably not thinking about you know bringing your authentic self um, and starting a Twitter account and you know so, you know going above and beyond to surprise and delight your customers and some of these some of these things. You're thinking about how to put food on the table. But the problem is that some people become so obsessed with driving revenue, with driving profits, with driving efficiency, that they lose sight of all these simple but tried-and-true concepts of just being human and, and, and appealing to people. And that's that's what ends up being successful for, for people.
0: I wonder if you could share um, – I had actually somebody ask me this, and I know that you have some examples. Um, and, and I'm not – this actually goes into probably a couple of the categories of <laughs> – uh, that you cover in the book, but uh, a lot of companies are having success using the this likable approach for customer service. you know again, a lot of times people think in terms of customer services either being really crappy or you know those companies that are really good at it. but I think that there is a growing trend of even small organizations that that are using some of these great tools that we now have available to provide. Better, but certainly maybe more publicly uh, provide uh, likable customer service. How many examples you uh, that you could maybe uh, illustrate that point with?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, there there are countless examples, and uh, uh, from from businesses large and small. Now, the the smaller the business you are, the less likely it is that you're going to have a need to provide customer service. uh, publicly, okay. So one example that I talk about is, is a huge business, right? It's Verizon, where this guy by the name of Ray essentially posted on Verizon's Facebook page, "You're a bunch of crooks! I can't believe you're charging me! I can't get through to any of you guys! I can't stand you guys!" And then, you know, on behalf of Verizon, my team answered the question right away on Facebook. Instead of deleting the comment, we, you know, we super served him, and you know, turned this raving, uh, uh, sort of angry person into a raving fan within three days just by just by super super, super serving him and over delivering and then he ended up posting on the Facebook page how awesome Verizon was and how he can't stand Comcast. and you know so that was an amazing turnaround but the thing is you know if you can just let's say you have a customer that uh, isn't on Facebook and Twitter let's say you're a super small business and you make a mistake See, this happens all the time we make mistakes. I mean, I mean, of course, we make mistakes. What we try to do when we make mistakes is, to, what I try to do at likable, is to over deliver and like leverage the hell out of that opportunity. So I'll send like a two hundred fifty dollar gourmet basket of some, you know, of awesome to that person the next day, saying, you know, with a handwritten note, you know, so sorry we screwed up on this, um, you know, hope we can be more likable next time. And I'm able to take a screw up and turn that from um, you know potential a real disaster to somebody that somebody that is now going to rave to his friends and colleagues about you know how much this company cares about him, even though we, yes we screwed up, but look look they just they just continue to go above and beyond to try to fix it. Um, and you, you can't keep screwing up, but the thing is you can take your mistakes and and leverage them if, 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 if you, you know, go out of your way to say I'm sorry and to be responsive.
0: I want to end with uh, just um, I think it's the last point um, in or at least a, a chapter in the book, uh, gratefulness. And, you know, I think a lot of people think in terms of the need to do that. They understand that's a good thing to do. Their parents taught them they how to do that. Um, and, and you know, from a st- standpoint of manners, a lot of us do it. But um, you make the point that uh, that there's actually some really practical and, and surprising returns that maybe people uh, don't appreciate uh, the use of gratefulness enough.
1: Yeah, you know, it's my favorite chapter. Um, you know, first I want to quote a, a study, John, that um, donors choose to. Donors Choose is this awesome nonprofit where folks can uh, go on to donorschoose.org and, and give money to uh different teachers that are raising money for their classrooms for a classroom project. So they actually uh did a did a, um, a a a test where they took a control group of donors and didn't send them a thank you note and then they took a test group of around the same number of donors and and mailed them a handwritten uh, thank you note. And they were able to track the fact that Donors that got the thank you note were 38 percent more likely to donate a second time, and the average size of their donation went up. So, unbelievable stats on actually showing an ROI of handwritten thank you notes. And I've been able to habitualize it. You know, I started. I started by writing uh, one thank you note a week, and now I'm up to three thank you notes. Per morning, I wake up every morning and the first thing I do is I send three, I write three thank you notes that I'll send that day. And to me, the ROI is actually twofold. First, you know, people get the thank you notes, whether it's staff, people, customers, media, partners, they'll get the written thank you note and they'll be blown away by the fact that in such a digital age where I'm like busy tweeting and emailing all day that I took the time to write a handwritten thank you note. But, you know, the amazing thing is, John, even if they didn't even receive the thank you note, even if it got lost in the mail, the act of me expressing that gratitude every morning puts me in this amazing mood, gives me this amazing mindset. And I have no doubt in my mind, although this part is hard to track, that, that I am more productive with my day because I am in a better mindset every morning that I start by writing thank you cards.
0: There's a fun book, and I'm going to get the title wrong, and I can't tell you who the author is, but uh, it's something like 365 thank yous. Uh, are you familiar with that book at all? I, uh, I'm not. I'm I, not,
1: but I'll check it out. I,
0: I read it about a year ago. Somebody gave it to me, and it's just this guy who was miserable, and you know his life was. It goes on talking about just how miserable his life is uh, uh, currently, and so he just one day decided he was going to write a thank you note every day, and he was going, to, you know, even if he couldn't couldn't imagine that he could thank that many people. who was going to do it for a year. And, of course, you know, the end of the – I won't spoil the book for you, but it ends up turning his life around. It's a really pretty cool book.
1: That yeah, is very cool. Yeah,
0: so, all right, Dave Kirpin, Likeable Business. Uh, go out there and get it uh, um, so you, you, you can have the book in with uh, likable social media because I'm sure you have that already as well. And all of these, the books can be uh, had anywhere that people uh, purchase books, but uh, do you, you want to talk about uh, where somebody can learn a little more about it, Dave?
1: Yeah, I mean, a couple, a couple places are likablebusiness.com that sends you right to Amazon, and then likablebook.com gives you details on on both of my books as well as uh, speaking and whatnot. And then the last thing I want to mention, John, is you know one of my core values of of likable business is responsiveness, Um, and I I remain personally very very committed to to responsiveness. So even though I literally get thousands of emails and tweets um, and Facebook messages per week, I respond to each and every one of them. So. You know whether you whether you bought a book or not. If you have any questions whatsoever about all this, please, please, please feel free to to tweet me anytime at Dave Kerpen, K-E-R-P-E-N, or you can Facebook me, uh, Facebook.com/slash Dave or you can really, if you want to go really old school, you can actually email me, Dave at likable.com. <laughs> all
0: right, Dave, thanks so much for joining us, and always a treat to catch up with you. I'm sure we'll see you out there. In the interview. Thanks so much for you today.